Hi guys, my name is Osage Alunge and welcome to Coronavirus in Africa Daily Updates. Uh, this is the first episode and I have with me Jibola Lawal. Hi Jibola. Yeah, hi. I'm Jibola Lawal. It's it's good to it's good to be here. Fantastic, fantastic. The reason why we are doing this podcast is um, we've noticed that, you know, there's not much co- coverage of, you know, COVID-19, the global pandemic uh, the world is dealing with right now. You know, there's not much coverage in Africa. And we thought it best that, you know, we've been in Nigeria here. Of course, we already experienced some, um, you know, cases already. And I think it would be a good idea to actually, you know, start to have these discussions and, you know, pull people in who can also drop, you know, um, facts, you know, and some of the uh enlightening and interesting stories that need to be told mm-hmm. yeah and um so you know we are visual audio times we're a podcast network and i thought you know we have the equipment we 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 have people we can talk to and we have the resource to do it so why don't we just do it so i have with me here jibola i'm i, I don't know how to describe jibola you know because when i knew him he he used to be a blogger a music blogger but mm-hmm. he has so far since then grown tremendously and um Jibola, can you you know can you describe yourself to the yeah. audience please okay um the in one word if i had to describe myself i would say i'm a polymath a polymath in that i'm not limited to any one space of endeavor polymath because there's a sense for, well, personally, I have a sense for a mastery of several things. Um, at the risk of being immodest, people who come to mind as far as being polymaths, uh, the easiest one to mention would be um, Da Vinci. Uh, then, of course, there's, there's Benjamin Franklin. So Benjamin Franklin, a lot of people just know Benjamin Franklin as the politician, but he was he was a fantastic writer. He was he was a scientist and an orator and then a politician. So in the same vein, I I found over time that more than simply just um, of course, as you remember me, having started out as a writer, I'm I'm a technologist. I'm I can create art. I can run business. Um, I I find a little bit of joy in teaching, in, yeah. in teaching, and not just oh A B C D in front of a board, but being able to teach the most complex subjects in 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 bite-sized um, portions, like you would your five-year-old. So I'm able to have mm-hmm. conversations with people in five minutes with people who have no physics background, but I'm able to help them understand uh, quantum mechanics or uh, cryptocurrency or um, rocket science. You'd be surprised how how simple and easy rocket science is to understand if you stripped it down to its, its barest parts. Um, I've done work in finance. I've done work in gaming. I've I've done work in, in education. I've done work in developmental projects. So this is, at the risk of sounding immodest, I'd like to think I'm the Renaissance man. 
Mm. Yeah, so that's mm. that's me. That's fantastic. That's fantastic, James. Um, yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I've. Um, I think you would be the best person to then have this conversation with, talking about you know a pandemic disease, um, yeah. and you know the eff- effects of this this disease in the you know uh, African on the African continent. Yeah. First of all, why do you think it's you know it's important for us to have these conversations? <sighs> okay, very very simply put. The reason it's very important for us to have this conversation is that we have an interesting problem that, one, it's not going to go away. Two, it's going to, it's going to affect us in ways that we haven't been able to completely conceptualize. Now, I have, mm-hmm. I have a few thoughts on, that I'm, I'm open to sharing. And it's that one of two one of two possible scenarios will happen. Either we all get infected, or not all of us are going to get infected, right? However, the fatality of of what we're dealing with is small enough to make us worried. But it's sorry, it's large enough to make us worried, but it's also small enough that we are not facing a really, really, really large existential risk. The big problem, right, and I've said this before, that we have with the um, coronavirus is that it's like a denial of service attack on a on a website or a computer system. Now, the way, any, I mean, I'll, I'll break it down. You don't have to be a hacker to understand what a denial of service attack is. Assume you go to google.com, right, and you type yeah. google.com and enter. Now, with Google.com, there's a, there's, I mean, maybe maybe Google is not a good example. If you go to ncdc.org, which I've experienced yeah. um, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, I think last week in trying to, uh, sorry, ncdc.gov.ng. So, if you if you go on the website and I I go on the website and one million other people go on the website, the website is going to crash, right? And that comes from yeah, so many people having talk, to yeah. use. Yes, exactly. So it, it comes from so many people having to use that one same website at the exact same time. So that's a real scenario, mm-hmm. right? So usually, what you do to prefer f- for scenario like, scenarios like that is you you look at what your average usage is, and then the average usage of your website, and then you then look at at the peak usage of your website. What is the maximum usage and then you build bandwidth for that or you buy bandwidth for that now with ddos the way it works is you get a, a bunch of hackers artificially create that kind of uh, traffic, traffic to your website such that the people who want to use it are not able to use it so what the coronavirus does in essence is that it creates the kind of traffic to your healthcare system that you don't have time for anything else. So if somebody goes to the hospital, uh, has had a fall from the staircase, and they end up at the accident and emergency unit, and usually they'll be attended to, all of a sudden there's not enough medical uh, personnel to be able to attend to that person. And if mm-hmm. his chances of recovery were, say, 60% before, it's dropped to, say, a 15%, 
or even in the worst case scenarios like as we saw in italy they had to triage for look if if your case is not life-threatening just you might as well die you see and even with coronavirus patients like they had to triage for who was most yeah. likely to recover you dig so the reason why it's so important for us yeah. to a be talking about it b to get as many people as possible talking about it but talking about the real things the real things that we should be concerned about is because it affects all of us and what affects your health affects your business what affects your business affects your well-being it affects your family it affects your ability to be able to hope for the next day so it's important for us to talk about it this way because there's so in 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 the absence of good information there's always a lot of misinformation when there's misinformation you 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 are increasing the uh, as engineers we say you're increasing the entropy in your system and as much as you can in any society you want as little entropy as possible to live a good life but enough entropy to be able to create innovation yeah so that's that's uh um that's a very very um interesting way to actually break it down and put it you know um um I, I, we've also realized that you know um we don't have the capacity to also um and i'm looking at it from a media standpoint to also you know um, handle the coverage of the, no. the the spread of the disease you know across africa i think media well you know in the western parts of the world you know you have different media outlets um and the way they are structured is you have out media outlets that focus on counties and focus on you know mm -hmm. particular sub-regions before yes. the big boys like the cnns and the coast we don't really have that you know in africa if you boil down to nigeria now you look at uh you know, what's happening in some pockets, you know, in, in, in some cities across Nigeria. We don't know mm -hmm. if the um, nationwide, you know, publications don't cover these stories. So, you know, you know I, I really encourage a lot of people. And if you guys are listening to this, if you can, if you're in another part, in another region, and you feel that, you know, people are not really covering what is happening, you know, pick up your phone, jump on a podcast, write, put it on Medium, really just share experiences I yeah. think it's another way to really just, you know, hold hold ourselves accountable and, uh, you know, more information that is spread, um, more dis rumors that can be dispelled as well. And then uh, mm -hmm. we can push up with that. Um, so you guys are going to be hearing this in, you know, um, in, in, a in, in the coming weeks. Um, Jibola and I, if Jibola is chance, would, uh, would be on the uh, subsequent episodes and we can really then go through everything that is happening but i really wanted us to start with the basics you know on this episode um i know we've heard a lot about covid19 and um you know what coronavirus is covid19 where is it from how did it happen and all that so we have some you know basic questions and answers here the first is um, what is covid19 so coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that typically attack the respiratory system, right? The name comes from the Latin word corona, which means crown. And uh, the ancient Greek word called corona, meaning garland or wreath. So you remember what uh, 
the 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 rose of of I mean, the thorn of roses you know that was placed yeah. on Jesus Christ's head something like that you know mm-hmm. um, because of its spiky fringe right encircling these viruses most coronaviruses infect animals such as bats cats and birds only seven from this family including COVID nineteen SARS and MERS are known to infect humans. So there's also been the conversation of why is this not this you know virus not affecting you know animals if it's affecting humans? Then, well, it has been said that you know viruses like COVID nineteen, SARS and MERS are known to infect humans. Mm-hmm. How is it spread? The virus is most commonly spread by close contact with infected people who are within six feet of each other. When they call for sneeze, they you know they send droplets into the air where they can land on the mouths or noses of people or or nearby, um, you know, surfaces which people can then touch. And if they then, you know, touch their mouth or their nose or, you know, any part of the membrane, their eyes, you know, um, it gets inhaled into the lungs. Um, So these droplets containing viruses, like I said, can land on surfaces or objects where the viruses can survive for some time. Now, there's also been a question about is this virus airborne or not? You know, the first set of conversations that were being had was people who aren't infected shouldn't use the mask. It is people who have the who have virus that should use the mask. So if they cough, they can kind of keep everything contained. But you know, the conversation has gone to oh, please wear masks now because it's you know this virus can last in the air for about two hours. Where are we on with that conversation, and what is the World Health Organization saying right now? Huh. Um. That it's it's a difficult, and, and the reason I hesitate is because I'm I'm concerned about speaking at length about what is left of, or rather what I think is left of uh, the WHO's credibility. The reason is because they made several missteps in this um, COVID nineteen journey. Um, at the first level they 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 hesitated to declare a global emergency on the one hand on the second hand they several times even when um prominent individuals and media houses had sounded the alarm that oh you know what we have an issue in wuhan and there's person-to-person transition and the the world health organization said over and over oh you know what there's no evidence of person-to-person transmission. Yes, of course, they they are handicapped by the kind of information that they get from the states or the nations that they work with. However, this is why you have your own, your own teams and the people who work with you, right? For uh, independent valuation of the information that you have. Um, but with that mm-hmm. said, outside of the WHO, what else do we have? We don't have much else uh, except for um, citizen scientists, so to speak. However, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 how I, I mean up until the point where we started to have um, studies and preprints that showed that oh, it turns out that even kitchen towels give you some form of protection, right? But before yeah. we even got to that point on the road, we I always, every bit of information I come across, I I come at it um, with 
from the perspective of common sense, right? Now, we had, over the last couple of weeks, we had uh, a couple of charts, those scary charts that we've all seen, the exponential charts. And then there were the outliers on the charts. Now, my, my most prominent uh, hat in, over the last maybe um, couple of months has been as a data scientist. Now, as a data scientist, you are looking at you are looking at data all the time. Now, the things that pop out in the data, we call them insights, yeah. right? The first of those things are outliers. So yeah. you have a body of data, and the first question you ask yourself is, this data point that is an outlier, why is it outlying? And uh, a simpler word for outlier is something that is outstanding, right? And mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. one thing. Now, all the thoughts about correlation, correlation and causation aside, the one thing that they all had in common, and what these countries were talking about, or what these entities were talking about, uh, South Korea, Singapore, uh, Hong Kong, the one thing that they all had in common was the fact that they had cultures where everybody wore masks. Now, why was this the case? Um, the Southeast Asian guys had dealt with SARS, had dealt with swine flu, right? Yeah. So they had a little bit more of experience than than we did. You understand? So yeah. To 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 just about sum it up, it's it's the best for all of us across the board to actually wear masks. And a decent example, of course, you always want to have a control example, right? So let's assume that we couldn't show correlation and causation with, with Japan, with South Korea, with uh, Singapore. Mm -hmm. Then you now have a control example with the Czech Republic. And yeah. I wish I could pull up the chart now. The, the date at which they started the Masks for All campaign, right? About a week from there, they started to see a drop in new infections. Like you could literally wow. see the graph just trending downward. Like you wow. don't have, yeah. And guess what? It was not surgical masks across the board for China. So the mask for all campaign in Czech Republic was their influencers and people telling each other that look and making it socially acceptable to mm -hmm. wear homemade masks right yeah. and those masks yeah. some variations of them had people create a space in t-shirts apparently like old t-shirts and then you put yeah. a kitchen towel in between the two layers of cloth and tie it around your face like as simple and as cheap as that oh yeah could i also argue that um you know with people wearing masks your habit kind of changes and that might also, you know, yes. affect the reduction of uh, the spread. And I'll, yes. I'll explain habits. If someone is wearing a mask on the road, I rather probably will not interact or talk with the person True. if I naturally would have done. And, you know, by not shaking the person or touching the person, that would have reduced the reduction. So I'm trying to say, maybe not it being airborne, but by the mere fact that I'm wearing a mask, I have identified and I have kind of um, 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 agreed that there's a problem, right? And that yes. the virus is in town and thereby reducing maybe my, you know, you know, rate of going to a bar or hanging out with a friend if yeah. I have a mask on. So, mm -hmm. you know, people going to restaurants, they'll be 
dropping footfall at you know cinemas, you yeah. know, dropping footfall at different places, and might there also you know just add to the reduction or, or you know contribute to the reduction of the the spread. Yeah, and to to add to what you're saying, there's this amazing book by um, Max Bezerman, The Power of Noticing. And to to summarize a salient point in the book, it's it's the I'm trying to corroborate your point. It's it's the it's it's the mere fact that the second you start to pay attention to something, your brain wakes mm -hmm. up to your brain wakes up to oh you know what all the possibilities. So the second you're you're wearing a mask, I'm wearing a mask. We are suddenly aware of you know what there's this alien um, entity amongst us. And we do need to be more careful. Then, if you want to, if you want to apply um, the principle of association, mentally we are, we associate surgical masks with doctors and medical professionals, right? And mm -hmm. that that association alone is enough to either wake up old memories of being in a hospital, right, or even bringing us to the present that oh you know what crap we're dealing with a public health emergency here so it's it's mm -hmm. almost a no-brainer it's almost a no-brainer and it's especially relevant in a nigerian situation where i can bet that even though there's a lot of awareness there isn't a lot of understanding of what exactly we're dealing with so you go out on the streets everybody's talking about koro 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 making jokes about it but you see somebody wearing a mask, and I'm not I'm not joking with you. I really did see this in in um, in Ebano, and the guy wore his mask uh, in Lagos, right? Yes, 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 in Lagos. This is he Lagos. wore his okay. yeah. So he wore his mask diagonally. <laughs> yeah. So where you'd have both strings around your ears or around the back. Yeah of your neck he had yeah. his own string like across his forehead the side of his head it was very funny to watch but it was also an interesting um, perspective on things because i'm on things because I, I didn't even think it was possible to wear a surgical mask in that way mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah interesting interesting i want to end this part of the conversation with uh, yeah. a quote from a guy called josh santapia so he was speaking with the npr you know, concerning um, if, I mean, concerning this, you know, if it's uh, the, the virus is actually airborne. He says, so clearly the mm -hmm. particles that, you know, a person is putting out are being breathed in by someone that is five feet away from them, right? He says, yeah. do they contain virus? I do not know for sure. You know, so it's also another conversation mm -hmm. about it being in your lungs, but not particularly being, you know, breathed out for someone mm. to then take in that air. So until, you know, the World Health Organization or, you know, you know these certified bodies can confirm for us. Mm. Until think, the body of like science. My, yeah. Uh, until uh, the body of science. Yeah. Because so far, all the, all the breakthroughs information-wise that we've gotten really from... from um the 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 thinking around droplet transmission from from there to masks to the experimental procedures maybe we'll talk about that at some point to the experimental mm -hmm. procedures to the new insights into how 
um, the COVID acts on the red blood cells. It's all from, it's all being from the body of science more than any um, global health um, entity. And I wanted to add something to, to help you and help everybody actually think around how droplet transmission works. Now, when I try to describe mm, it, that would be for... very interesting. Let us know. Okay, awesome. So when a person uses a perfume, how do you think that smell gets to your nose? Um, definitely. Ah, that's a very interesting question. Okay, let me try and describe it. I think the if the person has sprayed the perfume on their body or their clothes, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, yes. it's sticking on their clothes, but the fragrance, right? Mm -hmm. I think as the person moves, it kind of moves around and then yes. stays in the air, right? So the person mm -hmm. is basically leaving some of the fragrance in the air. And if I do pass, I can then inhale that fragrance. Awesome. So my question to you is, that fragrance, is it solid, liquid, or gas? Hmm. Okay, that's a very good question. I think it would be between <laughs> liquid and gas. That's mm -hmm. it. I don't. I can't remember my science yeah. correctly, but I think there's a state where mm -hmm. liquid is going into gas. Right? It's like you put a cold yes. bottle of water. The the water is inside the bottle box, but you start to see water around mm -hmm. it. It means that you know the air, the oxygen, mm -hmm. has then it's been liquefied with the yes. temperature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think is that I think it's that same thing as well. It's moving from that liquid to gas form, and that is when I inhale it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let me put it this way, in a way that answers the question and helps give some perspective to it. And then I, I, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, um, I'd extend it a little bit further. So every time you smell something from a goosey to um, a, a good Merlot to um, mm -hmm. a bottle of Giorgio uh, Armani Aquadigio, right? You are smelling... So your olfactory um, sense organs, it's this really wet sponge, uh, I believe just behind your, just behind your, um, ah crap, what's this thing called, man? Just behind your, your sinus. Mm -hmm. So now what it is, is it, so yeah, every time you smell something, you are smelling a molecule or so just imagine a droplet of whatever it is you're smelling. Simple. So if you, if it's a perfume, right? Yes, you've sprayed it on your hands, right? But so think of, think of, um, think of boiling off water from a frying pan, right? And then capturing that water with, capturing the vapor with a, with a pot cover. So the pot cover in mm -hmm. this instance is your um, olfactory uh, membrane, right? And then, of course, it takes that data of a very, very minuscule portion of the... So, excellent. So think of a cake, right? Mm -hmm. You cut your cake into small pieces. Then you take yeah. a, a crumb of that cake. So every time you smell something, you've put a crumb of the larger cake in your in your um, in your brain um, yeah exactly in your brain do you understand so 
it's it's why fantastic is why you are told that oh after you when you try to flush in the bathroom you're actually supposed to flush with the toilet seat down because every time mm -hmm. you take a whiff right after you flush you yeah. are taking a whiff of something that came out of your body and i'm being very very nice about it so in the same vein mm -hmm. if we use the um toilet example forgive me so water is splashing against solid material right yeah. Solid material gets um, enveloped in in um, droplets of water, and yeah. it's aerosolized. So aerosol and aerosol immediately. Is, exactly. So an aerosol. If you go back to um, high school chemistry, an aerosol is it's a mixture, right? So you have you have different kinds of mixtures: solid and liquid. So you have salt and water. So yeah, an aerosol is a solid or a liquid in in air so every time you smell poo you are smelling aerosolized poo pretty much do you see so in the same vein if we're looking at droplet transmission every time the person speaks you we all know there's always that one guy that we know that when the person speaks there's a little speck of spit that comes out of his mouth right yeah can you think of anybody like that Osage? now Guess what? I, I have, Every I have time, <laughs> aha, excellent. Now you can get off your high horse now because even as I'm speaking now, there's there's aerosolized droplets of my saliva in the air, creating a cloud around me. So the more I talk, the more I sing, and God bless you if I sneeze or cough, I'm creating a mm. much denser cloud, even even more so around me. So. This is this is why the general um what's the word advice is oh you know what say stay six feet away, stay three feet away from that person because we're constantly, especially when we speak. Yes, exactly. So interesting. Okay, think it, about it like this. It, think about we in very cold temperatures and having a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and you see you see, you know, the the, uh, the yes, the vapor trails. God bless now. you. The, the, the vapor, yeah. That that's yes. basically it. Mm -hmm, wow. mm -hmm. Yeah. So of course, this then extends the conversation. So a study was done that. So if if you and I were having this conversation outside, right, and the the rate of transmission was taken as a one. If we had this conversation again indoors with mm -hmm. with an AC on, the rate of transmission increases from a one when we're outside to an 18. Wow. Yeah, easily. Simply because wow. the airflow is different. Yeah. So people who are taking runs, don't don't let that stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a run this morning, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, already panicking, man. I've been taking a couple of runs. Nah, you're good. I'll try and wake up earlier yeah, now. I'll yeah. wake up around five. <laughs> Stay careful, guys. Um, but as long as you don't go around hugging any fellow joggers, you, you should be all right. No, 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 no. Everybody's uh, practicing physical distancing right now. Yeah, man. Well, wow. most everybody. Wow. Wow. Okay, let's let's talk about symptoms then. You know, uh, the yeah. most common symptoms are a fever, 
Um, yeah. This has been seen in almost 90% of the patients. Um, another very popular one is the dry cough and followed by the shortness mm-hmm. of breath. So there's a study of 71 patients in China that also suggests that a significant portion of coronavirus patients experience diarrhea, nausea, mm-hmm. or vomiting sometimes before the respiratory symptoms begin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the World Health Organization also says that these symptoms typically come on gradually. So they don't hit you at the bank. You probably start with yeah. a dry cough. Then, you know, you have the fever. Then the fever goes and fever comes back. Then you feel the shortness mm-hmm. of breath and all that. And the way it has been described, and you can expatiate more on this, is mm-hmm. it's like a muco that goes into your windpipe and sort of, you know, sticks there. It's like, like a chewing gum and sort of sticks there and, you know, doesn't leave. So it mm-hmm. then causes the dry cough. So really, yeah. there's no muco because it's a dry cough. It's just stuck in there. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. the chewing gum stuck in your, in your windpipe. And then you start to have the shortness of breath because it's, uh, it's growing and expanding. Yeah, so uh, I mean, to to add to what you're saying, so the thing is, again, to help understand the symptoms, we should even it helps to also understand how the virus itself attacks the human mm-hmm. body. <clears throat> so I always like to say that, um, I, it, it's um, viruses are actually so you think of pirates, right? But you think mm-hmm. of non-living pirates. In fact, I when I imagine viruses, I imagine um, microscopic diskettes, right? Because at the end of the day, what um, viruses are, it's just um, RNA with a protein envelope that, that protects it, so to speak. So RNA, DNA, they are simply pieces of information, right? The information that yeah. that brought you into existence is from the DNA of your mother and the DNA of your father together and then fused. So with RNA, it simply is an instruction to create this, replicate this. It's that simple, right? So when these viruses make their way into their, um, I, I like to call it theater of operations, right? The respiratory arena. Why the coronavirus is so um, powerful is because over time it has it has mutated itself such that the corona, those spikes around it that, that make it look like a crown, they are able to react with a protein on the surface of the lungs. It's called the ACE3. So it once it grabs that um, protein, it just sticks to it like Velcro. And then... Of course, once it sticks to the surface, it transports its own RNA into the cell of your lungs and then says, you must look at me. I'm the captain now. Pretty much, right? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then your, your cells start to do the bidding of this pirate. So now in the case of mm-hmm. the lungs, instead of doing what the, um, the alveoli inside your lungs are supposed to do, which is what... Um, okay, so the blood comes, the oxygenated, sorry, the air comes, um, the, the, um, your hemoglobin in your red blood cells, right, absorbs the 
oxygen and then boom you have oxygenated blood and then it, it goes back out of your lungs through the um through the heart and then to the other parts of the body right so instead of doing that the coronavirus comes in and says you know what stop and what i was telling you about the breakthrough and insights right it then specifically targets the heme groups so h-e-m-e so the blood carriers themselves so your red blood cells and then says to them that forget that oxygen carrying thing that you were doing before come and do this one right and then one cell becomes two cells two cells become 10 cells 10 cells become 40 and then the blood that they were carrying before they stop carrying it right and of course your own lungs reaction to that is oh my god where is the oxygen shortness of breath right and then mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how <laughs> so i'm going to create an image for you right so let's imagine you and i enter into a guest toilet somewhere and then we replicate and we become three people we become four people and then we become six people and then we become eight people it will come to a point in our replication where no matter how many jibolas and osages are inside that guest toilet somewhere it will be too small for us so something has to happen either the guest toilet bursts or somebody opens mm-hmm. the, the the door and yeah. then all of us burst out so suddenly from your guest toilet we're in your living room and then we're replicating 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 until there's no space again so in the same in the same vein this is exactly what viruses in general do and they replicate until the cell world bursts and then those viruses go out to other uh how do you say to other cells that are in the vicinity and repeat that same instruction again. The the virus replicates such that what your cells were doing before they are unable to do, right? Mm. And it's attacking the um, the oxygen carriers themselves. And this is why uh, you find organs shutting down in people with the really really um, chronic cases. Now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's on the one hand. On the second hand, it's how... So your your white blood cells come to the scene of the action and there's there's an immune response. So Because the white blood cells are like the cops, right? They are the ones that come in to say, what's yes. going on? Yeah. What's happening? Let yeah. me take care of the red blood cells. Yes. I'm the police of this body. So what yeah. do they do when they notice, you know, the virus is in the system? So, of course what they do what they usually do okay this is a foreign body let's attack now in really really extreme cases and it's been found to happen um, often with with people who are dealing with coronavirus it's that in really really extreme cases when your body is in um sos mode we are going to die your white blood cells will attack everything in the vicinity yeah do you see so they will attack so Ah, damn it. I was going to make a joke about uh, the Nigerian army, but I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, stay on arrest. I but, <laughs> but, but, um, I, I, so, I, I know that joke. <laughs> so, so they, they, they will attack the foreign bodies and then they will attack even the innocent uh, body cells of your body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so the, the mucus buildup 
that happens is usually as a result of the immune response. So a lot of some people complain about, um, oh, there's so much um, mucus in my chest. What's going on? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's very, very interesting. Let's move on to, you know, things we know now that we've seen in the news, what is happening and all that. Um, WHO declared the, you know, coronavirus a pandemic, I believe, in early March. Yes. Yeah. Why do you think it took that long for them to call it, you know, a global pandemic? And, you know, there's also been this uh, report flying around where they actually said, you know, um, that they had, I, I believe this is when the virus was still in, you know, some parts in China, where yeah. WHO had said that the the virus was not uh, transferable from one human to the other. Yeah, there was in person to person transmission. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have called out, you know, the World Health Organization over that. And, you know, they started to question their credibility, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. Do you think they've reacted as fast as possible? So, I mean, again, this is me playing devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, it's, it's the fact that in a position like that, you are, your work, even though you're a global health organization, your work is as much politics as it is health policy. So they they were they were trying to um, I mean an argument can be made for them being compromised, but that's another conversation entirely. If we stick with what we know, they were trying to make sure and be careful that okay, you know what, this thing actually really is as bad as it is. Now the nature of what we're dealing with is everything you can see, it's like looking at stars. Everything you can see right now, the the 214 people that we have as confirmed cases, big air quotes, yeah. right? A result of everything that happened a week, two weeks ago. Do you see? So every time you're looking mm-hmm. at the data, you're looking back in time. Do you understand? Which was a yeah. mistake, which was a mistake that they were making, right? But guess what? It's only somebody maybe in 2030 that has the gift of having us having dealt with this now that mm-hmm. can look back hindsight 2020 and say, oh, you know what? Yeah. We need to overreact now. So it's 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 always the case as with <laughs> and I think I was having this conversation with someone. I was like that watching this thing roll out, of course, we are started to hear about what was going on in Wuhan as as far back as january right even December. What, god bless you so even december so i mean for me it started to become really in january so it, watching it roll out in in china in italy in spain in england and more recently in america and hopefully not as much in nigeria it was like watching a slow motion train accident happen again and again so maybe mm-hmm. China, we didn't get front row seats. But the Italy one, I, it, I know a couple of times when I had punched the wall, like, you guys, come on. You you need... So all the things that it, they, they kept thinking would be overreactions kept becoming all the choices that they had to make further down the line. But at points at which they were making those decisions, it was already late. Do you see? Yeah. 
So, yeah. but bringing it back, uh, the, the WHO was stuck in a position nobody wants to be stuck in, in all honesty. You don't want to be the boy that cries wolf. It's that simple. So that's what I foresee happening. Yeah, because you have to be if you, you have to be super super careful, you know, when you're yeah before you declare very. something a global pandemic, you know. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of responsibility where they are in. You really have to measure it, you really have to see the potential of the spread. Yes. You also have to yes. conduct reports that will possibly take weeks and not days, right? Yes. There's a lot of yes. you know sensors to be done, data gathering, data reporting, a lot yep. of traveling to be done. You know, a lot yep. of, you know, calls to be made, a lot of research. So before you then come and say, hey, man, you know what? This thing is a global pandemic. We've seen from yeah. the data the rate of spread versus, yep. you know, the other diseases we've dealt with in the yes. past maybe 20, 30 years. Or the rate of years. spread of this, yeah, and all that. Um, I, I, I believe Ebola wasn't declared a global pandemic, right? It wasn't. No, it wasn't. It, it was a yeah. little bit localized to Western and, Africa. And I believe Ebola is a, is a way deadlier virus. Yeah, it had a fatality rate of about 50%. That's just crazy. So mm -hmm. it's also funny how, you know, a less deadlier virus has caused more deaths, you know, than Ebola, if you think about it that way. Mm. I also think, you know, the the fact that it's also less deadly has what has been its greatest advantage, the virus, where, you know, people are infected and don't show symptoms for close to, you know, five, six, seven days, but are also spreading it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a crazy, it's, it's a crazy virus. It's, it's the, so in, in, in epidemiology, it's, it's, um, it's 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 the incubation period and of course mm. a anyone um human killing pathogen that exists it becomes more powerful or dangerous the longer a victim can go about their normal lives mm -hmm. spreading it without being obviously sick and this is what made um, global um, health professionals really, really afraid of HIV. So the the um, the incubation period for HIV was between three and six months. In some cases, maybe even nine months to a year, and it's and you are able to shed the virus even within that time. So now imagine if imagine a coronavirus that has a three six month incubation period as well do you see so what what makes um human killing pathogens powerful it's it's like an equation it's what's the length of its incubation period how quickly do you start to infect and then the final factor the um the fatality ratio mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so the and of course, if you are looking at it, the higher everything is, the more dangerous that entity is. Of course, with um, with 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 diseases in general, with fatal diseases in general, the more quickly the course is seen through, the more the I mean, the more quickly the course is seen through, 
the faster the epidemic itself kills itself. Do you see? Because the longer you are alive and healthy, the more people you can infect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's 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 drill down to Africa now, right? Yep. Um, currently in Africa, eight thousand seven hundred and eighty-four confirmed cases. Um, yes, sir. That is those infected. 383 dead, 845 confirmed to be recovered. Do you think um, African countries, you know, took this seriously after seeing what was happening in, in China, happening in Europe? Um, do you think, if yes, how or no? If yes, do you think they, 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 they did take it seriously? Um, I don't think they did. Um, but I think maybe one or two countries quickly, you know, sat up and started to create defense systems and the likes. But you see countries okay. like, the, the countries with the most infections now, countries like Algeria, they have like a thousand people infected already. Um, South mm -hmm. Africa has a thousand four hundred infected. Mm -hmm. um, Cameroon, 529. You know, you mm -hmm. have as small as Senegal is, 145. Morocco, which is, of course, close to the north, uh, close to Europe, you have about yeah. 825. Then Egypt, 758. What do you think are the factors here for the number of, yeah. you know, infected cases? Yeah. Um, so to answer the question very simply, uh, the... Did they respond in a timely manner? The answer is no. But was the right response across several people done? The answer is yes. I know Kenya had a good response to it. Um, Ghana had mm -hmm. a good response. Um, I believe it was Rwanda, Uganda. They had decent responses. Look, when, when you... It, in dealing with epidemics, really, you should, it's, it's how do you say, it's a smart rule of thumb to try to mimic how the human uh, immune system responds, right? So immediately, so obviously your body is, is a closed system. So immediately you are dealing with a situation like that. You actually should try and create a closed system. So you create a closed system, you localize the attack, and then you pepper uh, a, um, a defense or you pepper an attack on yeah on yeah, yeah on where you are dealing with jiggers and which is essentially what the human immune system does when when we're dealing with um biological insurgents in that way <clears throat> you'll note that i neglected to include nigeria in that list yes yeah, you did going going why? by our conversation why Going by our personal conversations, you know how I feel about the fact that we should have, <laughs> we should have, we should have first off shut up, we should have shut down the borders three weeks ago. Even if we weren't even shutting down our economic activities, we actually should have shut down the borders a couple of weeks ago. Guess what? If we had done that then, we wouldn't be dealing, we, we most likely would not be dealing with a shutdown now. Like a shutdown of our we would activity. we would significantly have reduced the number of infected cases because yep you know we would I mean 
So most of the people who have been affected, I mean, from the data that we've been shown, and, you know, yes. um, I think on the next episode, we can really talk about how, you know, the NCDC <laughs> or the the, gov- the bodies, you know, uh, who are in charge of this uh, uh, solving this problem, or at least containing, mm-hmm. you know, the spread, have yes. not been as open as we would love them to be. Which is a very kind way to put it, but please, yes. Yeah, sharing, you know, information or just statistics. And I I think, you know, I'll give them props for being as, I would say this, right? Compared to the other times, I think they've actually been quite open. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, the, the, yeah, the response to, you know, jumping on social media, you know, putting out the infographics, updating, telling us, you know, what they can tell us. See, yes. we've, we've dealt with, you know, uh, other issues. Very not have been yeah. pandemics, but they've been mm-hmm. very opaque, exactly. But I think, you know, in terms of shutting down the border, even if they didn't shut down the border, but for everybody coming in, they are quarantined and tested, I think we would have been able to highlight and you know some of the infected cases as fast mm-hmm. as possible and they wouldn't have gone into society to integrate yeah so i think that is where nigeria would have done better so so but, here's why here, here's why yeah. I, I was saying i I, ad, I advocate well retroactively now for a shutting down of the border every every situation i mean every solution that we prefer must take a local context into account and what what that means is, if you think about it, do we honestly have the people, process, and, and tools to have been able to execute with the number of flights we're taking every day, to have been able to execute a an efficient process for, okay, intake, sorting, quarantine, out into the populace. Do you think that we had everything we needed to have been able to do that at that time. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm asking you, do you think we did? Uh, no. Yeah. So, now, what all those um, extremely drastic measures do is they only buy you time. So, if we had shut down our borders for a week, two weeks, to have bought us, bought us time to be able to, okay, so this is what we have as far as process goes. This is what we have as far as um, people goes. This is what we have, have as far as technology and tools go. It's that simple. Oh, okay, so I think we'll leave it here. We've done yeah. close to an hour. And there's still yeah. like a lot to talk about, but like on the next episode, we can really drill into. You yep. put up a post on Medium, right? It's called yeah. uh, "With COVID-19 Picking Up Pace in Nigeria, There's Still Hope That We Can Turn This Tide Around." I mean, this was yes. written what last week? Yes, about last week or or Bef- two weeks ago, actually. It was about two yeah. weeks ago, actually. Two weeks ago, we can really sit and talk on that and see if you still feel, you know, the same thing two weeks later. I would like to really pick your brain yeah. on that. But um, of course. we've covered quite a lot right now. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for um, jumping on, on the podcast. And it's been very enlightening for me. And I, I guess also very enlightening for our listeners right now. Um, I'm happy about that. I want to say, 
Yeah, I want to say thank you. And um, thank you. And also, you know, congratulations on your growth so far. You know, just Thanks, hearing man. you speak, um, it's, it also shows you've done a lot of research, um, not just from the medical side, but also from the social economic side. And I think for the social economic side, there's a lot to talk about as well. Yeah. You know, subsequent episodes. I want us to talk about mental health, isolation. And I, I think, you know, uh, the prison and jail system should be reviewed. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, you know, this, uh, all of yeah. us experiencing a snapshot of what it's like to be incarcerated should help us, yeah. help give us a rethink. It should, you know, that should be reviewed as well. And there are lots more to talk about. But let's yeah, let's keep yeah. it let's keep it like this, guys. Thank you so much for reaching out. Um, you know, listening to this podcast. You know, downloading it. Please go to the platforms you listen to the podcast. Rate and subscribe it. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a, a five stars. And if you want to write in to tell us about how you are coping with COVID nineteen in your country, in your city. Um, whether you're, there's a lockdown or you're still going to work, please um, write us at covid19inafrica at gmail.com. You heard that right. covid19inafrica at gmail.com. Um, we get, you know, a number of um, entries. We can actually read your, your, your mails on the podcast and discuss about them. And if you also have questions... Google is your friend. Every other answer is there. I know there's a lot of rumors, so please don't read the conspiracy theories. Just go to the <laughs> standard websites. Uh, I, you know, like, I think there's a lot to talk about, you know, um, really just touching on it, you know, subsequent episodes, 5G and, and the likes as well. Um, but please check out the verified pages. Um, Google is doing something very interesting now that if you actually Google the keywords like COVID-19 coronavirus, yeah. you have, you know, on the side, you have a list of verified fact checks and uh, uh, um, content that you can actually read. Please wash your hands. Stay very safe. Don't touch your face as much, even though it's... it's I, during this period, I actually found out that touching my face is like a very, you know, I do it a lot. Yeah, you know. Um, so please just try to stay safe. Um, love to everybody and their families as well. And on the next episode, there'll be much to talk about. Um, we will try to release these episodes every day. Jibola, is that possible? Can you can you commit to that? Yes, I can commit to that. Fantastic. You heard it. So we'll be releasing the episodes every day. Um, we would probably, you know, work out the timing. And please, so please, guys, just... Uh, we would also put a link... Um, where you can actually drop in your email address so we can actually send you um, each episode straight to your email box and you can download or stream from there. Um, Jola, once again, thank you so much for jumping on the yeah, podcast. Man. Thanks for having me, Osage. Always happy to. Fantastic, fantastic. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, guys. <laughs>